Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We are in the middle of a series called Five Smooth Stones. Today, Pastor CJ gives part two of the message called The Stone That Kills Fear. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but his perfect love cast out fear. Are you ready to cast out fear in your life? Let's listen in as Pastor CJ explains the benefits of God's perfect love. We hope you enjoy this message. And so speak your promise over your problem. Amen. Take your notes out today. Let's jump right into the word of God. And for those that are new, we talked about a couple weeks ago about David slaying the giant, number one, because he knew his daddy. When you know whose side you're on and you know your daddy, you know that you can do all things through Christ. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Amen. And so if you know your daddy, it's going to give you the confidence and the assurance, too, that you can win because God is on you your side. And God, if he's on your side, he's never lost a battle, nor will he ever lose a battle. And the battle that you are in, guess what? God's in the midst of it. And if God is for you, who could be against you? And the battle is not yours, it's God. So surrender your battle, your struggle, your circumstance, your situation to God, and just watch him win the battle for you. Amen? And so David knew his God. Last week, we talked about fear. And fear will paralyze you and hold you back and keep you from your destiny in life. It will intimidate you. It will roar at you. And the Bible we talked about last week that you need to cast it out as far as you can, out of sight, out of mind. Recognize that fear is false evidence appearing real, appearing real. And those things that we fear the most, a lot of times they say 98% of them never happen. But we make an anthill into a mountain because we fear, we worry, we get consume with anxiety, fret and fear, and all these things consume us. We talked about, if you have your notes, we talked about last week, this is recapping, three roots of fear. These are three roots that happen with us and how they establish, number one, is from conditioning. We are conditioned with fear. My wife is so conditioned with fear, she does not like to jump into a lake where she can't see the bottom, because as she was growing up as a kid, her dad always told her, if you don't know the lake and don't know the bottom, she put he put fear in her by saying there's weeds down there and these weeds will get a hold of your legs and suck you under. So my, now my wife, since she was little, has this fear of jumping into lakes because her dad conditioned her to have fear in her life over weeds. And so now she has to sit on a floaty to get in the lake because she's so afraid if she can't see the bottom, she tried to overcome it. Amen. She's more than a conqueror. But, but she, she's been conditioned, and a lot of times we're conditioned by the fears, by what we hear from our parents, maybe our grandparents, maybe from our aunt and uncle, and because they have fear, they instilled that fear in you. My sister is deathly afraid of snakes, and so because she's so afraid of snakes, her, her two daughters are deathly afraid of snakes. So sometimes we're conditioned by fear. Another one is fear is, is comes from concealing. Maybe we're walking in fear because we're concealing things in our lives that we know are maybe wrong or sins or faults in our lives, and therefore we're concealing them, and we're afraid we might get caught. We're afraid that somebody might uh, see what we're doing, and so we walk in this fear. 
A lot of times when I'm counseling with men, they're afraid that their spouse might catch them doing something that they shouldn't be doing. So they walk in fear, and that fear builds into anxiety. And so because they have concealed it, man, they're not transparent, they're not open, and so they're caught in a snare or a trap, and it brings fear to them. Another way fear comes is by controlling. If we can't control it, if we can't have it our way, we get all full of fear because I got to be in control. And if I'm not in in control, that means I'm out of control, and if I'm out of control, then I'm full of fear because I don't know where I'm going, what's going to happen, and where it's, what's going to, what it's going to do. So I got to be in control, and so if we are not in control, we can be conf uh, fear controlling, or we can be uh, controlling or fear freaks that we because we're under, not under control. And so these are three things that, that establish us with fear. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 15. I love this verse of scripture where Paul is speaking to the church there. And he says here in these, these verses, he said, the spirit you received, each and every one of us, the moment you receive Christ into your life, you, the old things have passed away. The old things is the old nature, the old ways of living, the old spirit. You know, the Bible says that you once were lost, but now you are found in Christ Jesus. The wages of sin is death. He said that the spirit you receive does not make you slaves. How many of you know that your past, your spirit of your past, your old nature, your old flesh used to control you, dictate you, direct you, and, and, and confine you into areas of your life? And what it is, what Paul is saying here, he says, you're no longer slaves, so that you do not live in fear again. Isn't that what happens when you live in the old flesh, the old spirit, the old ways? It leads to fear in your life. I know that myself, when I was walking uh, in my BC days and I was walking in the world, I walked in fear because I was afraid. I was second in the gang, and I, I did a lot of things I shouldn't have done. And so because of that, I walked in fear. I felt powerful when I was with with my group of guys, but when I was all alone walking to the bus stop to school, I walked in fear, and I had this fear of like, man, somebody's going to jump me, somebody's going to attack me, but what happens when you're walking in your own flesh, you walk in fear of, man, what's going to happen to me, what's death look like, and all these questions, but when you have the Spirit of God, it liberates you from even the fear of death, because you know your destiny is going to be eternal life, and so you have a new hope. It says, you don't know, fear again, rather the Spirit you receive receive, rather the spirit you receive. What is that spirit? The same spirit, Paul says in Philippians 3, verse 10, he said, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now lives in you. Now lives in you. That spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Why? Because we serve a resurrected Savior. He's not dead. He's alive. And where he, he is evident and where he proves himself as alive, it's in you, Michael. Where Jesus is alive is in you. How people can see Jesus, it's through you. And so what happens is that, listen, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. And the way people see Jesus is how you conduct yourself, how you walk in confidence, and how you don't have fear in your life anymore because you know your ultimate destiny is to be with the Lord. So where, oh, death is your victory, where, oh, death is your sting, death has been swallowed up because you know what? I don't have to fear because I know where I'm going. If life is taken from here on earth, I'm going to have life in my heavenly place, and I'm going to be seated with the Father, and I'm going to be able to be with the angels in heaven rejoicing with Jesus. And therefore, it eliminates fear in your life. Amen? 
But he goes on to say, listen, he said, the same spirit you received brought about adoption to sonship. Wow. Adoption. Do you know that each and every one of us are adopted by Christ? When you're adopted, that means you have the fullness of what God has to offer to you. He doesn't hold back anything that he has to offer. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, he says, he blesses us with every spiritual blessing. In other words, he doesn't just hold back anything to you. He gives it all, Terry, to you. So he says you've been adopted as sonship. And by, the, by him, we cry, Abba, Father. Man, isn't that cool how he ends that verse? Now, look at this. Larry, he ends the verse by saying, Abba, Father. What happens to us when we are kids, when we're going through a frightful situation in our lives, when we're going through a situation that may be bigger to us? What do we usually do? We run to our fathers or we run to our mother, and we say, Mom, Dad, help me. I'm going through a battle in my life, right? And so we go and say, Mom, Dad, will you rescue me? Will you help me? Mom, Dad, hey, I'm a little short on my rent. Mom, Dad, can you help me? How many can relate to that? Mom, Dad, I'm a little late on my car payment. Can you help me? We always run to Mom and Dad when we're going through a situation of crisis in life, right? Look at what Paul ends his verse in. Abba, Father. God, in other words, help me in my life. Help me in this journey. Help me in this walk in which I am with you, God. Help me. And he ends it, Abba, Father. And if you notice, it's got quotation marks around Abba, Father. It's to remind you that when you are walking full of fear and you're walking full of th uh, uh, anxiety or worry in your life, run to your Father, your Abba, Father, and he will help you overcome the situations that you face in your life. Now, isn't that awesome? That you can run to God. And you don't have to be afraid because God has everything under control. I love this. Today, as believers in Christ, we don't fear because God is near. Wow. How many know that God is omnipresent? He's everywhere we go. When you go outside, guess who's out there? When you go to the bathroom, guess who's out there? Even though he doesn't want to go with you in the bathroom, he's still there with you in the bathroom. Amen? Somebody say Amen. It may not smell pretty rosy, but he's still with you. Amen. Right? The Spirit of Christ transforms. Look at this. The Spirit of Christ transforms our thinking. Isn't that right? He takes our stinking thinking and he transforms it. In other words, he changes it. He, he changes it from the inside out. He transforms it. Now watch this. Our outlook how many of you know that sometimes we have our outlook and we're paranoid Floyds? We're so paranoid that I'm doomed. I'm never going to make it. We're further out there than we really need to. You know what? The Bible says we have to take care of today because tomorrow will take care of itself. But so many times we're, our outlook is we're doom and gloom. We're walking in this, in this drudgery of life. But God changes your outlook. You know, I always say when I accepted Jesus Christ, he changed my outlook in this way. You know when they came out with the movies 3D? Remember they had 3D glasses and all those kind of things? Remember that? And you'd go to the movie theaters and they hand you out those glasses. They'd be red side, the green side. And then when the movie comes, like remember the movie, that I think it was Jaws that came out, the first one? Man, scared the fire out of me, huh? Jurassic Park. Man, when they, man that dinosaur came, wow! Everybody screamed. But you know what? When Christ came into my life, he changed my outlook. You know what he did? He gave me 3D eyes. You know what it was? Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and I got the most. Amen? 
I got 3D glasses on with Christ. And he changed my outlook of life. He changed my outlook. And what is 3D all about? It's to make things bigger and appear like they're right closer to you, right? So when you walk with 3D glasses, it changes your outlook of how big God is in your circumstances of life. And sometimes you need to take your natural glasses off and put on the 3D glasses and say, listen, my God is bigger than any of my situations that I'm facing in life. It may look big to me, but you know what? It's small to God. What is impossible with man is possible with God. Luke 18, 20. God said all things become possible. So he changes your outlook and fears. He changes your thinking, your outlook, and your fears. And you can read that in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He changes those things in your life. But I love this. In 1 John 4, verse 18, this is where Jeremiah, I, I love that you sang that song this morning, the second song about love. Because this is what I wanted to talk about today. Watch this. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, I love reading 1 John. I just got to do it in my devotions out of Jude. And I, I'll tell you, I read Jude many, many times. And you're going to see some verses that I'm going to pull up here in a moment. But in 1 John, it says this. There is no fear in love. Wow. How many know that is so true? There is no fear in love. You know why? Because the one that you fall in love with means that you trust them. You trust them. You trust them. When my wife uh, and I got married, she trusts me. When Larry and Melissa, you got married. When Terry and Jessica, got, they got married. Each, each one of you trusted each other. And because you trust each other, you don't have to fear that they're going to try to harm you or to hurt you. He says, listen, but perfect Love drives out fear. You see, perfect love. Is there any perfect love? No, we're going to have our ups and downs. Maybe we're going to say things we shouldn't say to one another, our spouses. How many of you know that words do hurt? Amen. And maybe there's things that we're going to say to one another, and maybe we're playing ping pong, and maybe we're getting boxing gloves on, and we're saying things to one another, and we're sparring off each other, one another. And there's going to be those times. But you know what? It goes on. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Notice what he's saying here. Fear has to do with punishment. With Christ, he doesn't punish us. He what? He forgives us. We just got out of our series, our grace series. What is grace? It's forgiveness, acceptance, and love, and then walking in favor. Forgiveness, acceptance, and love, and walking in favor. So he says, you don't have to walk in punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So if you're walking in fear, that means your relationship with God is not perfect. Because you know what? God is not going to condemn you, Sandy. Cheryl, he's not going to put you down. He's not going to write you off. He's not going to say you're no good or he's going to reject you. He's going to accept you just as you are. He's going to accept you just as you are. Amen? You don't have to come perfect to God because you come just as you are with God, and God will clean up your mess and give you a message. Amen? So you come just as you are with God. Listen, here, what is perfect love? Perfect love is knowing that there is nothing between you and him. That's why Paul, if you read in Corinthians, Paul says, I die daily. And then when he died daily, he said, I strive to keep my conscience clear before God and man. In other words, this conscience that, man, I am clear before God 
in man. Because I am clear before God and man, I don't have to walk in fear because I'm walking upright with God. What does repentance mean? It means like you're doing an about face with God. You're turning from that direction of the world, and you're making an about face and walking towards God. I don't have to fear anymore. Am I perfect? No. All have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. But here's the hope about this. The Bible says in Philippians 1.6 that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's the great thing about God. God's not done working on you. So when you think that God is done, no, you're still under construction. You're always going to be under construction day in and day out until he takes us home. And then when he takes us home, you're going to be that perfect bride that he's coming to receive because the bride is coming to take you home to be with him. So every day he's perfecting you. So if you don't like today, man, wait for tomorrow because it gets better because God's still working on you. And I love this. He said this. This is another one about perfect love. Perfect love is when fear is removed. And we are walking right with God because it gives us confidence in knowing he protects us. I'm walking right with God. God, I, I am walking right with God. Isn't it good that when you have friendships, man, that you can just be transparent and open with your friends? And you can just be transparent and open and just be honest with them and that you have no strings attached and there's nothing hidden with you and your friend. Isn't that just a great bond? My wife has that with a, a young lady in Renee in Colorado. Man, we haven't seen Renee for, what, 12 years or whatever it's been. And you know what's the crazy thing is? They talk on the phone and they have that relationship that Cheryl can bounce off with Renee and Renee can bounce off with her. And, man, they're just so open with each other. And it's such a freedom in their friendship because there's no strings attached. In the same way with God, the same way with God, God perfects you as you're honest and open with him. You see, here's the crazy thing. We get all bound up and wound up because we're afraid of what God's going to think. So we don't tell God. Now, I want you to hear this. So we don't tell God what's really going on in our lives, and we try to pretend that God doesn't know. And so because we don't tell God and we try pretend that God doesn't know, guess what it does? All it does, it just binds you up. After all, God is all-knowing. So why don't we just tell him? You want freedom in your relationship with God? Just be honest with God. Honesty is the key to perfect love. By laying it all down, that God, I lay it down before you. You see, listen to this. I love this. The benefits or the benefits of knowing God, is it's so cool. When you know God and you know that perfect love, here's the benefits of it. Number one, he will supply. Isn't that good to know that you don't have to walk in fear because you have perfect love with God, that, Larry, he will supply for you. The benefits of that perfect love, that I have a relationship you know, our responsibility as the, the priests of the home, men, is to supply and take care of our spouses. Amen? Take care of our children. That's who we are. God made us a stronger vessel so that we can work and so that we can labor for our, not only for our own benefits, guys, but for the benefit of our spouse, for the benefit of our children. And nowadays, women are doing the same thing. Mothers are working more than ever before from the past. But that's what God made us to be, is to be suppliers. What did Paul say in Romans 8? 15 and he ended it with Abba Father. And the Abba Father's responsibility is when you have that perfect love and that relationship with him, guess what he's going to do? Number one, he's going to supply for you. So you just know that, man, he is going to supply for you. 
You see why? Because that's his responsibility. He's our Abba Father. Why does he say in Philippians 4.19, he will supply all our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Number two, here's what else he'll do. He will protect you. I love Psalms 91. He will charge his angels over me. He will send his angels charge over me. At the right hand, what does he say? Ten, a thousand will fall. And at your right hand, ten thousand will fall. He will protect you. He will protect you. Didn't he do that to Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego? He was the fourth man in the fire. He was, didn't he do that to Daniel when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den? He protected Daniel from the mouths of the lion. God will protect you when you walk in that perfect love. And the reason why we're talking about that perfect love is because when you have that perfect love with God, guess what? You don't have to fear. Because God will supply. It may not come at the time you think it should come. He may not deliver it the way you want it to come. But God is never too late. He's never too early. He's always on time. The third thing I love about this is this. He goes before us. Oh, isn't that great? He goes before you. When I was out in Guatemala and then also in Ecuador, we went to some of the bushes, and it was crazy, some of the places we went to, and it was really deep. Even in Mexico, where we took all our, our youth to Mexico, they would go before us, and we had to go back into the jungles. I kid you not, Dan, it was crazy. But these guys would go before us, these little Guatemalans and stuff, and, and, man, they would go before us, and they had machetes. And what they would do is they would chop down the bushes, and they were tall, and they, were, and they would chop down these bushes, and then they would clear a path for us to make a way. And we'd walk down this path, Troy, to go to the destination or the place of where we were going. And so they cleared the way for us to get to our destination. And you know what? That's what God does for us. You see, you may not see him because we always are so prone for God to do it the natural way because that's our natural way of thinking. But God does things spiritually. He does things where Daniel said, God, I prayed for 21 days, and you, have, you heard my prayer. And what did the archangel Michael say to Daniel? I heard you the first day you prayed. And Daniel didn't give up on one day or even one week he prayed. 21 days. And what did Archangel say? He said, I was making a way. I was fighting off the enemy before I could come. And you know what God does? When you have that perfect love, God makes a way. He fights your battles. He opens up doors that no one can shut. He shuts doors that no one can open. And he's making a way. He's chopping down those things in your life. He's chopping down those barriers. He's chopping down those barricades. He's making a way in your life. That's the beautiful thing about perfect love. You see, listen, there's a great amount of prescriptions. Now watch this. There's a great amount of prescriptions that are written for worry, Stress, anxiety, despair, and terror. And guess this, all cousins of fear. Now, do you get this? All cousins of fear. What's worry? How many like to worry sometimes? Your second name is Wart. Worry, Wart. Amen? How many walk in stress? I can watch, I love watching people in the mall. It's so funny. People are funny to watch, amen? But anxiety, despair, terror, all cousins of fear. Some of you have a lot of cousins. And you're carrying these in your life, right? You're carrying these things in your life. And I wanted today prescriptions for fear. And you had these on your notes, but I hope you hear 
And I think, Jeremiah, I, again, I, I was so rocked with worship today. Thank you, Jeremiah. I really mean that. You touched my heart today. But watch this. Prescriptions for fear. And I hope you have ears to hear because these are fear killers. Number one, remind ourselves that God is able. The first prescription for fear is to remind yourself that God, and you need to highlight God, God is able. Whenever you try to take things into your own hands, you make a mess of that thing. So get out of the way, quit being the backseat driver, and let God take control. You know what's so funny? I love going to people's houses. And one of the first things, so don't clean off your refrigerators, but one of the first things I like to look at when I go to people's houses is I like to look at the refrigerators. No kidding. You know why? Because the refrigerator tells a lot. They have uh, some magnets. Don't eat this. Or they have another one on there. God is in control. And all these little magnets are reminders of different things that people want to put before them. And so I look at the refrigerator, I'm thinking, I, oh, I see where that person's at. They must be on a diet. They're telling the refrigerator, don't open. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so they're reminders that God will go before you. He will do the work. You see, listen, remind yourself of God's faithfulness. Remind yourself of God's faithfulness. A lot of times what you have to do when you're going through the fears or the loneliness and you think, I'm never going to make it, I'm doomed, I'm going under, you have to go back in the resources of your mind and remind yourself, hey, God did it before, he can do it again. Why are we doing these stones? It's to remind you of the giants that you're slaying over these next few weeks. It's a reminder, Linda, that I'm slaying the giant in my life. God is faithful. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 20 through 22. Great is the Thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies I find. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness. God is faithful. God is faithful. And you have to remind yourself of God's faithfulness, that he has always and already, now get this in your spirit, that he has always and already shown you. Did you get that? He has always Always. Everybody say always. always. Now say this, already. already. He's made a way where there seems to be no way. Why do I say already? Write this scripture down there, Jeremiah 29, 11. Why? I know the plans that I have for you. In other words, already he has the plan for your life. Now you just have to be still, Psalms 46, verse 10, and know that he's God. Right? So he says, always and already. He's already made a way where there seems to be no way. Already. He's already done it. And so you have to remind yourself that God is faithful. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34, I love this story that Jesus is speaking a parable to the people. And why did Jesus speak parable? It's because when Jesus spoke parables, he wanted people to think. You see, a lot of times Jesus could have just gave us the plain old formula or the plain old answer, but a lot of times what he wants you to do, he wants you to start thinking. He wants you to think it through. What is he trying to say? Whenever you read the word of God, what is it saying to me? How can I apply it to my life? And how can I help others with it? That's what the word of God, what is it saying to me? So when Jesus spoke parables, he wanted us to think what he was saying. And so here's a parable. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Some of us are saying, well, that's easy said and done. Now watch what he says. What you will eat or drink, 
or about your body, what you will wear. Now watch this. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Now look at how Jesus applies this. Look at what he does. To us, a sparrow is nothing, but an eagle is beautiful. So we look at sparrows as nuisance birds. Man, they're a mess. Man, if you go on a farm, you got the barn swallows, you got sparrows, they make a mess all over. They leave their, their debris all over. And, you know, they're just nuisance birds, right? No. Amen. I like it. No. Amen. That's what a lot of people think. Blackbirds, yes. Right? But look what he says. He says this. Look at the birds of the air. Do they not sow or reap or store up away in, in barns? And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. But look at this. If you have your Bible, you need to put your name there. Are you, CJ, Michael, are you not more, watch this, valuable than they? In other words, if God takes care of something that seems so invaluable, unsignificant to us, aren't you not more valuable to him? He says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? And look, they do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of what little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. For your heavenly Father, get this now, for your heavenly Father, what did Paul say in Romans 8, 15? Abba, Father, run to him, your perfect love. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But watch what he says. Look at what he says. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now, this is so cool. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Can you imagine that? So what he's saying is take a praise break, Angela, in the midst of your struggle. God, I, I don't know what to do. God, I, I, hey, Lord, my bank account is empty. <laughs> my wife said, no, it's not. I always say, hey, God says the, the gold and the silver is his, and the, he owns a thousand cattle and a thousand hills, and he can butcher one of those for you. Amen? Amen. But you have to speak to your seed. Hear, hear your pastor. Your words are the fertilizer to your promise. You can either make your promise grow or you can make your promise die by the words that you speak. You can either fertilize it and make it grow. I want to be Scott's turf builder. I'm going to make it grow. I'm going to be a, a miracle grow. And I'm going to make it grow in Christ. Amen? So what he says, listen to this. Fear comes when we forget God and all his promises and his faithfulness to us. That's when fear comes. When we forget about God's promises. When we forget about what he's done for us in the past. That I was just with my sister uh, this weekend, she came up, and uh, my brother-in-law, and they, she, they're the ones that led me to the Lord. And uh, I was just with them, and we were reminiscing about how God was so faithful. As we were growing up as eight of us, and 
man, just the things that we had to face, but yet we're, God was so faithful. And you know what? When we started talking about it, it was amazing. It brought energy to us. If you read the article that I had to put in the, the paper that, that they had me had to do an article, I don't know if you read it, but about God's thankfulness. And uh, I, I was never so thankful for living here. It reminded me of the cities on Memorial Weekend. I was trying, no kidding, I was trying to go out the driveway right here. I kid you not, on Memorial Weekend, Friday afternoon, honest engine, Will, I promise you, no fudging, no exaggeration. I sat out there trying to get on the road for 12 minutes. And that reminded me, thank you, God, for siren. Not during Memorial Weekend, but other days, amen. <laughs> but you know what? It really made me appreciate the small things of life. It really did. You see, listen, fear, you gotta, fear, reminds, fear reminds you of what you don't have. That's what fear does. It reminds you of what you don't have. But look at what faith does. Faith reminds you of what you do have. Oh, man, did you get that? Let me say that again. Faith reminds you of what you do have. What you have, Rose, what you do have. Stop looking at the glass half full and start seeing it full with God. Amen. I love this. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, he says these words. Now to him who is able, who is able, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is work within us. Within us. Notice that word, able. Rude, a Jew, Jew 24. Look at this. I love this. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Did you get that? who is able to keep you from stumbling. God is able. You may not be, but that's when God said, thank goodness that you finally came to your senses. Let me work it out. Amen? God is able. He is able to do for us because his power is at work within us. Wow. So number two, look at this. Set the Lord always before us. How do you get over fear? You have to set the Lord always before you. In Philippians, I mean, Psalm 16, verses 5 through 11, the Lord, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Now watch this. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue, watch this, rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realms of the dead. Nor will you let your faithful see one decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. God, you go before me. Keeping the Lord before you is like headlights on the car. They will make everything visible. Wow, isn't that great? You know, they're doing a, a, a statistics on cars, and they're saying a lot of accidents happen at night. 
because their car lights are not bright enough. And so now they're doing a new scientific research. Have you read this article on cars that they're trying to do brighter beamer uh, or a brighter, uh, more looms uh, headlights to make the more road visible? And they're trying to figure out how not to have the lights so bright that they blind you when they come at you. But they're realizing and recognizing that the lights are not bright enough for when we're driving at night. So they're trying to come up with a new headlight for your car to make it even visible. Why? So you can see better. What does God do when he's able? He makes things more visible to you. Look at this. Fear is dispelled when the Lord goes before you because he knows your ins and your outs. Oh, that is so cool. He knows your ins and your outs. Huh. We name what's keeping you. We name what's keeping you up at night. Look at this. What is your biggest fear and why? What is your biggest fear and why? Does your fears always speak to you? Look at this. In Jude 9, I told you I had my devotions in Jude, and it really popped out at me. Look at this. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, <laughs> you got to get this. You got to get this in your heart. Did not himself dare to condemn himself for the slander, but he said, The Lord rebuke you. In other words, I don't accept what keeps me up at night anymore. I don't accept those anxieties anymore. I don't accept that fear anymore. I don't accept that worry anymore. I rebuke it. And if you look at the word rebuke, rebuke means to disregard, disregard, take authority over and renounce its presence. That I disregard it, I take authority over it, and I renounce its presence. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke it. What does it mean? I disregard it. Wrong voices make wrong choices. Why do you think the enemy roars? Because he wants you to hear the wrong voice. I disregard it. I don't accept it. You're the umpire that caused the balls and strikes of your life. And what you let in is up to you. You're the gatekeeper of your heart, your mind, your body, your soul and spirit. You have the authority to let in the good and let in the bad. You have the authority to let out the good or let out the bad. That's up to you. Right? You see, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 48. I love this. As a Philistine moved closer to attack him. This is so cool. David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Now watch this. What did David do? Number one, run to your fears. The first thing David did, run to your fear. Don't run from your fear because when you run, he knows he's got you. And what is he going to do? He's going to come back seven times worse because he intimidated you the first time. Now he's going to come back worse and put an even bigger stronghold on you if you don't run to it. Number two, stand up over your fears. Put your head up high, your shoulders up, and stand up and say, listen, I can do all things through Christ. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit of the Lord that's in me. I'm going to stand up over it. Number three, rejoice over your victories and rejoice over your fears. You want to get the devil mad? Start laughing. Start laughing. Have you ever had somebody laugh in your face? 
laugh in the devil's face. You come against me in the name of the, the spear, javelin, and all what you got like the giant did with David. But David said, I come against you in the name of the Lord. And what did David do? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen? Fill your mouth with praise. Number three. Oh. Acts chapter 16, and I got to close. Acts 16, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prisons were shaking. At once all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. Now watch this. Everyone's chains came loose at midnight because everyone, now watch this, I love this. Praise sets the tone for the Lord to enter into your fearful situation. Praise releases his word and his word cuts away anything that doesn't line up to his word. Praise and worship and worry and fear cannot occupy the same space at the same time. So praise him. I always say this. Praise outweighs your fears. Praise outweighs your fears. Listen, God reminds us to put on the garment of praise at all times. Now watch this. Pray about everything and fear about nothing. Somebody say amen. Pray about everything and fear about nothing. Today, those giants that are in your life of fear, you have four stones. You have four points. You can apply them. Or you can reject him, but I choose to apply them. And I'm going to praise him in the midst of my storm. If God can set Paul and Silas free, he can set you free indeed through the praise of your peace's people. Amen. Will you stand with me today? God is so good. Amen. Thank you, uh, Cheryl and Sandy, for being here today. God bless you. Where are you from? Cottage Grove, Minnesota. Minnesota? Amen. Yeah. Oh, oofta. How about that? Yeah. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning, will you? Father, this morning, I pray in the name of Jesus that today we will be giant slayers. And that giant of fear that creeps up, Lord God, and tries to speak to us and intimidate us and hold us back, we come against that in the name of Jesus. And we speak to that giant of fear. We say enough is enough. You will no longer come against us. We chop the head off in Jesus' name. And we say enough is enough. There is no life. There is no existence. There is no power. There is no authority. There is no stronghold over my mind, body, soul, and spirit any longer. Today we are free indeed. And I thank you for every individual here today that, God, if you are for us, who can be against us? So thank you, Father that you are here with us today. May we run to our fears. May we stand up against our fears. And may we rejoice over our fears. Lord, now go with us, I pray. And let the power of the Spirit of God be evident in our lives, that people may know, sense, and feel that we are peculiar because of the Spirit of God that lives within us. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's give the Lord praise. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. We here at Adventure Church would really love to hear from you. You can connect with us online. Find us on Facebook and Instagram by using at Adventure Church Siren. Or check out our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com.